The following is a presentation of the Pro Wrestling Report, TV and radio. Informative, entertaining, and real since 1998. Along with that fella they refer to as Matthew Thomas. I'm the man they call me that. Matthew, good evening, sir. How you doing? A good evening. And to pull back the curtain a little bit, uh, what I was starting to say until we got so rudely interrupted by the start of the show before the uh, broadcast went on the air is, Meathead, you must drop hard. I must drop hard? Um, mm-hmm. Unlike Tron Travolta, I've been known to get hard. Wait, is that in the future? <laughs> Sorry, never mind. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. John Travolta was hard prior to 1997 and during 1997. <laughs> Fair enough, folks. It's Nitro, March 31st, 1997. Uh, let's just hope nothing happens in the next four years to this show because I love doing this every week. <laughs> Matthew, we uh, we are just one week away from Spring Stampede, in uh, I believe they're in Tupelo, Mississippi. Have you ever been to Tupelo? Uh, I can't say that I have. That's uh, that's on my to-do list, though. Uh, if anybody's got a to-do list that includes a visit to Tupelo, Mississippi, I need to speak with that person and ask him, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? I'm just kidding, folks. <laughs> Tupelo, uh, we had a, a hot ending last week. Uh, we had a very hot ending. <clears throat> DDP from Duluth, Minnesota. Comes all the way down from the uh, the top of the uh, the bleachers there. Comes down in his very warm uh, Golden Gopher sweatshirt that looked like it was made out of shag rug. Uh, comes down and proceeds to get a beat down from the NWO because he went down there by himself. And there was, what, ten members of there? And he made it through the first four or five, but got beat down, got spray painted. They opened up the show tonight with a recap of that. And uh, DDP just doesn't care. He will... He's balls to the walls. He's like, uh, accept, balls to the wall, my friend. Do you know that song from uh, Germany's Accept? Oh, of, of course I do. It's one of my favorites. And let that be the theme for tonight's show. We saw how well one on ten or two on ten, if you count the prints last week, worked last week. Take note into how well these one on five and one on eight situations are going to work on Nitro tonight. Fair enough. Let's talk about the opening, and um, it's the NWO uh, outside without Hollywood Hogan, without Eric Bischoff, without Scott Hall, piling out of the limo. Literally, short of Kevin Nash, this is NWO B-team, folks. I mean, and this isn't a personal slight in any way, but, I mean, we've got Scott Flash Norton. We've got IRS, Irwin Arshyster, or whatever his name is in WCW. We've got six. What? Huh? Huh? Where? Where is everybody? What the hell is going on with the New World Order? And what's going on in WCW? Has WCW taken over and fought them back? I mean, I thought NWO had carte blanche 
You know, they could do and be and go wherever they want. Matthew, explain to me why it's Nash, Six, Norton, and IRS. Did we miss some type of angle on Saturday night or, or something where there could only be one? Wall Street or whatever his name is. <laughs> where there could only be one uh, Scott in the NWO and Scott Hall got ran out of town by Scott Norton. No, this uh, – I tell you, man, when you take – Hogan away, and you take Hall away in DiBiase, it, this just doesn't – man, this this looks kind of rough. And, and, I mean, even when you had – even when you had Mr. Wall Street storm out, just even I think it was Shivani's call on it, well, there goes Mr. Wall Street walking out on the NWO. It just felt very, very – uh, I mean, second, sec, yes, corny and second rate, and yeah. it's just a stark contrast to how, you know, more is not always better, and when you had that cohesive stable of the original three, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hogan, like it felt, it felt special, and we've talked about it being diluted in the past, but here's the thing. Even, you know, being diluted is one thing, but when you start to pull back some of the layers and you can't have all the guys on TV every week and you've got some of the other additions there, I mean, no, notably with with Wall Street and, and Scott Norton, I mean, I could say the Wall Street thing to a certain extent because he was WWF, but I've never understood just throwing Scott Norton in there. That has never seemed like it really fit. And tonight – Tonight, that backstage segment with those four guys just just seemed very, very odd and out of place. And I mean, I I think it would have made more sense to just have the NWO completely absent or have Nash there by himself tonight before before you, you did any of that because I feel like they really brought the NWO they brought the NWO down a few notches. And it wasn't any – nobody got any steam off of it from WCW. It was just the NWO, right. you know, doing it to themselves. So uh, let me ask you this. Um, do you think the New World Order angle is dying? <sighs> I, I think there's still some – It's a loaded question. Left. I understand. Yeah, life left there, but you've just got you've got to do something different. And I, I think it's just it's time to recognize that this formula that we've had since uh, two months from now it will be a year. It will be a full year where this stable just comes in and completely dominates. Maybe that's not the right formula. Maybe you have to pull some punches. Maybe you have to pull some of that back because that's been the story they told with the NWO is just basically complete domination since the start. And mm-hmm. now I just I feel like part of this is you're booking yourself into a corner. You've made WCW look pretty weak for the large part of a year, and you're just at a crossroads where you're starting to dilute it already, so are you going to bring more people in? I think what they're doing now is they really haven't, tease dissension in the ranks and that's where they're going here. This is the next part of the story they're trying to okay. tell. Okay. Um but even those people, you know, being the NWO, Macho showed up tonight and there was no mention of them two being in the same group. Literally Macho yeah. has his own things going and he's one of the more recent members. He wears the NWO colors. He's a heel and that's it. 
Mm-hmm. Nothing tonight to do. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm dying, by the way. Nothing to do with the New World Order at all. Um, by the way, you know what's always kind of, it's been kind of odd to me? I figured it out tonight. Uh, you ever notice that Nash always seems to get out of a limo or always seems to be backstage carrying around a cup like he's drinking a cup of coffee? Yes. Yes, it's funny Doesn't that strike that you as odd? It, it it's it's uh yeah it's it's almost here the the oddest coffee drinking uh vignette or segment I think I've ever seen in professional wrestling was about a year ago when Bret Hart was getting ready for Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series '96 and if you go back and you watch the Raw the Go Home Raw prior to that Survivor Series during uh no I said Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, I meant Bret Hart in Austin at Survivor Series 96. And Austin is wrestling, I believe it's Bob Holly, and there is a split screen during the entire match of Austin wrestling and Bret Hart sitting in the back on a monitor drinking a cup of coffee. And I kid you not, it's every 15, 20 seconds, watch, sip a coffee, watch, sip a coffee. Hands down the most awkward coffee vignette in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, I hate to break the news to you. Nash is not drinking coffee. Matter of fact, he's not drinking anything out of the cup. He's placing into the cup. My investigative eyes have noticed it's a spit cup. What what kind of caught my attention was the huge garage door opener he had on his waist during that backstage segment. Uh, I don't know if that's like a, a cell phone that he might be carrying around. Cell phones are, you know, relatively new. A lot of guys still rock the beepers. Um, mm-hmm. But then I saw the trademark circle in the back uh, pocket. Nash dips. Either, and there's nothing wrong with this. <laughs> either chewing tobacco or a really big condom. Oh, well, <laughs> he is big sexy. Uh, Matthew Thomas took it there, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Matthew uh, L. Thomas, the L stands for Lascivious, uh, Matthew Lascivious mm-hmm. Thomas. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's Nash Dips. Now, uh, dip is um, not good for your face. Um, you know, players like Tony Gwynn and other players have uh, literally gotten cancer from it. There's nothing wrong with guys that do it because that's what they choose to do. I'm just saying, you know, you got to maybe pick something else. But it's not coffee he's drinking. That's a spit cup. He's carrying around a spit bottle. So, Folks, he's not drinking coffee. He's spitting. Ding. But an, Ding. another public service announcement for the younger listeners out there. Uh, dip maybe not the best stuff in the world, but Big Lig Chew is okay. Uh, David, sunflower seeds, my friend. That's where the world is. You should be doing David <laughs> sunflower seeds. Um, I will tell you this, though. Uh, anything in excess is also bad. I actually not rotted. That's the wrong word. Uh, I wore out some skin on the inside of one of my cheeks uh, during a doubleheader. I went through a <coughs> And when I say a bag, I don't mean your regular dollar bag from the, the gas station or convenience store. I went through like a double bag all on my own, and I had to have had at least a third of the bag in my mouth at one time. Literally, I looked like a squirrel, you know, hiding nuts. Yes, that's right. I said nuts and in my mouth. Uh, hiding uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you, a squirrel and you, hiding and nuts for the also, and, and, and this whole story, remember, is also how you wore out the skin on your cheeks during a doubleheader. That's right, exactly. That happened. No, I uh, playing ball, and uh, I wasn't the best ball player in the world, so 
Uh, I was happy to get out in the field, and our team wasn't the best either, so I was stuck out in the field for a long time, and I didn't want to run back to the field to get, you know, to the dugout to get more seeds, so I had them all in my mouth. But <laughs> one more story real quick. An exceptionally long at-bat, maybe 10, 15 pitches, I think the plate was covered in seeds. Foul ball. So, so Foul ball. So the take-home the take message of this story is you can fit a lot of seed in your butt. Yes, and Lex Luger and the Giant defeated Rex Fuller and Roadblock when Giant pinned Roadblock with the choke slam after about five minutes or so. Um, Tony and Larry still curious about where Scott Hall is. Do you think that's what's causing this? Because, uh, and again, the foreshadow to the end of the story here tonight, Kevin Nash says Scott Hall is out taking care of business way more important than professional wrestling. <laughs> is Scott Hall having problems at home. That's what they're alluding to. And I just, the the thing of it is though, I think if that's the case, I don't know that you call so much attention to it. I think you try to get Hogan to step up. You try to get um, the missing members to step up and you don't really turn this into an angle per se. That's what's kind of strange about this whole deal. Yeah. Uh, And in a match, uh, the Harlem Heat with a little bit of, um, Excuse me, a little bit of a run-in on Luger and Giant. Now, they're part of the four-way, what was it called, four corners, I think, for this Sunday. Mm -hmm. Booker T and Stevie Ray and Sister Sherry actually get time. Here's one of the things that bothered me. You know, just little nuances, and we're going to get away from stuff in my mouth and making me raw. Booker T's cutting his promo, and he finishes. And he goes, "Yeah, I was, I was just saying that to you, Booker T, until you took the mic away from me." The microphone never left Mean Gene Okerlund's hand. A lot of discrepancies. This was a very sloppy nitro yeah. tonight. Um, Stevie Ray uh, called the Giant a long, tall drink of water. A long, tall drink of water. I don't think the Giant's ever been referred to as anything close to a long, tall drink of water. Your thoughts? Yeah, and what an interesting concept for the match, too. Like, So it's basically uh, it's Luger and Giant and both members of Harlem Heat in a four corners match, and winner gets a title shot. Is that correct? Uh, very interesting, interesting dynamic. I can understand taking, you know, Luger and, Luger and Giant. I mean, they're pretty much singles competitors, but Harlem Heat all of a sudden throwing them in the mix, and this is, you know, they're now singles competitors for a, buying for a title shot. A, a very yeah. interesting concept. I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a big selling point to a pay-per-view or if it just kind of feels like, oh, shit, they're running out of, uh, you know, basically people to buy for the number one contendership, but it, it definitely feels different. Women's uh, competition in the WCW Women's Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. All right. Two things. One, when was the tournament started? I don't remember being told. Two, how many people are in this tournament? Three, how many people are in the division? Four, are we really talking about WCW Women's Cruiserweight Championship Tournament? Aren't all women technically cruiserweights? And we haven't had, prior to tonight, our women's champion, heavyweight champion on TV in months. And so now you're going to introduce another title in the mix when you haven't had that title defended since, uh, was it Starcade? 
I mean, I believe it's, it was it's, Tarkin. A, it's a bit insane. Okay, but uh, they bring in the professor, Mike Tanay, because Mike Tanay knows about oddball wrestling. So here's the women's cruiserweights. To put it perfectly, Zabisca goes, the one in a green one, because they had no idea who the hell these people were. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, granted, if given the proper attention, commentary, showcasing, this was a good match, but it wasn't. It was treated as a joke, and we treat it as a joke as well as we move on. Psychosis defeats Viano 4 with the Gein team leg drop in about four minutes' time. Uh, Psychosis, uh, lots of good stuff. And we got that MWO promo tonight during this match. Um, more confusion. Let's move on to the Nate Chiboa, Ric Flair. The opening introduction from Mean Gene Okerlund was, ladies and gentlemen, the 15-time World heavyweight champion, the nature boy, Rick Flair. Right? He starts talking. Mm-hmm. And Piper comes out because uh, the bagpipes play. Piper goes, I know you're the 13-time champion. Wait, what? Is he a 15-time <laughs> champion or a 13-time champion? They don't even know when they're doing live promos on TV. Yep. And Piper says, or Mean Gene says, you should know about Ric Flair's uh, Dead Sea waterbed. Has Piper been in bed with Flair? What the (laughs) hell are they talking about? And more importantly, (gasps) Piper's three pals that he was going to take to a pay-per-view and wrestle, but didn't, didn't, didn't wrestle, and they just disappeared. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> and then they bring in some random woman from the crowd and say, "Do you like hot rod? I love him. Let's go." Okay, apparently, and you know, even though his you, wife and kids are at home, apparently on TV he's going to go bang this broad. If you watch this, if you watch this, uh, go back and watch this too. They didn't know which side of the ring to exit. Flair, Flair's got one hand of the girl. Piper's got the other, and they both go to leave separate sides of the ring and almost rip, rip her in half. And then Good they Lord. finally have to figure out which which way they're going to exit the ring. And the thing that really masks, you ever wonder about a company that may be doing such great business and, you know, think things are going great. And because the crowd is so hot and people are buying tickets, <coughs> it covers how just sloppy things are. Yeah. Yeah. We had a perfect example of that tonight, folks. Excuse my dry throat again. Even though it's March 31st, it's a little dry here, uh, way up in the Great White North there. Prince IAK defeats Laparka with a high cross body. Speaking of high cross and body, um, he had the big belt last week. Now he's wearing a big skeleton across his entire chest. Dude, mm-hmm. I swear he stole some Halloween decorations and he's wearing them. <laughs> Apparently he doesn't get the, the WCW wardrobe department, doesn't uh, give him too much. No. He's got to go out on his no. own. All right, let's talk about the promo with Steven Regal. Lord Steven Regal. Um, I hope someday he gets to be better on the microphone because he's a solid in-ring technician because he was awful yeah. tonight. Absolutely awful. Uh, stammering over his words. I don't know if he's been hitting the sauce. But he, Sunshine, has a match with Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho, when he came out, I swore I was going to get the basketball highlights because that music is like TNT bumper music. <laughs> From getting yep. the highlights. 
you know, don't forget the Bucks defeated the Suns 98-97. Uh, uh, here comes Chris Jericho. That's exactly what it sounded like to me. Uh, story of the match was Jericho sneaks in a uh, roll-up, and he gets a victory. Holy smokes. Um, Zabisco with a great line. I've always said, in any wrestling match, you're only three seconds away from victory. Boom. Regal underestimates Chris Jericho, and Jericho gets the win. Now, Regal does not take lightly to this and uh, proceeds to beat down Chris Jericho. Now, explain to me, when Renegade came in, why did he pump the brakes? He just stopped. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry. Um, I thought this was WWF. I ran in on the wrong match. Sorry, dude. Here comes Joe Gomez. He goes in. Here comes Billy Kidman with the big lightning bolts up and down his tights. Here comes some guy named Lane. I don't know if that's Lanny Lane, Lenny Lane, Billy Lane. What? No, why in the world of sports is going on here? And Regal is destroying all of them. There's four people that try to run in on Regal, and despite Renegade uh, holding up, like, Regal is just destroying people. And it's, it's amazing because, I mean, he's being booked like Vader or somebody in this segment, and it's William Regal. And I understand he's a, you know, he's a pretty serious in-ring competitor and has a vicious streak. But to have Regal out of nowhere just destroying people that are hitting the ring for no apparent reason makes very little to no sense. Women's champion Akira Okoto defeats, and I understand women's wrestling may not be as strong as the men's right now, but Debbie Combs, who Mike Tenay told us was a second-generation wrestler. If she's second-generation, Matthew Thomas, Jesus Christ, is Eleanor Ross her mom? Who's the one that, the, 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 uh, Betsy Ross, excuse me, the one that made the flag? Wow. She had to be in her 60s. Here's what WCW keeps doing is they've got such a huge roster, huge roster instead of building you know programs for these people and getting to see these people on a weekly basis they'll throw out people that you've never seen on nitro before just out of nowhere and then you'll have you know a glacier or somebody pop up every three weeks or so you've got such a huge roster but there's not these sequential programs to really make you care about them on a on a weekly basis and then you put I mean, you put these two women out there in a women's – I don't even know if this was a cruiserweight match or not, but a women's cruiserweight division that you didn't have prior until this week. It's its borderline insanity. And it feels like they're just one-night hired local talent. I mean, yeah. is Wendy Richter not available? I mean, at least, at least she had a name. Yep. Apparently not. And what happened to uh, what happened to Luna Vachon? Where'd she go? Yes. I mean, and if you've got a women's pretty... division, you've got a woman out there performing, you know, top rope inner heels body splashes. She's not even wrestling. Well, and you had that for one week. It was Medusa came out there and said, "Ah, oh, I saw Luna Vachon backstage," and then she has her attacker, and then I mean that's pretty much it. I was was she brought in for one week? Oh, good lord! I'm not even going to mention Medusa's interview at ringside because uh, 
No. No. Roanoke rocks. Yeah. Wait, there's more. Uh, you better relax. You know what else Roanoke does? Okay. That's enough of that. <clears throat> we also got a three-minute sting package with what they thought was probably cutting-edge editing. It sounded like it was a damn uh, reverb. You know what reverb is, right? It's just an echo. That's yeah. not editing. They go back and uh, look at high voltages win over the public enema last week. Now, of course, they had this assist from the Horsemen, but still uh, the Horsemen, but still big win. Uh, the championship committee has taken notice of that, and high voltage may be in line for something. The amazing French Canadians defeat Steve Mongol, McMichael, and Jeff Jarrett when. Jacques pins Michael after hitting him with the briefcase. I I feel these guys are supposed to be horsemen, but they don't associate with the horsemen. Matthew, explain. Yeah, this whole Mongo Jared angle has been going on for way too long, and it's completely detracted from the horsemen. It's completely detracted from Jeff Jarrett, who. I think is somebody you could use pretty effectively in WCW. And since he's been in the company, his involvement has been nothing but this feud between him and Mongo because he wants to be a horseman and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they're they're really doing two things, two negative things here. They're devaluing the horseman. They're devaluing Jeff Jarrett. DDP defeats, oh, my God. It gets worse, Matthew. Lance Ringo with his Nitro debut, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Why does he have Macho Man's NWO Playboy magazine with Kimberly in it? Why does he have it? Does, does it, it just make the rounds backstage? Uh, I no. guess. It, it looked like the pages were stuck. <laughs> Good Lord. Interview with oh. – now, this gets a little better. Interview with DDP on the uh, microphone in the ring, and uh, brother, 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 brother. Here's Macho Man outside. Um, now, Macho Man has got Liz, and uh, Brother Liz kind of w- woke me up to a couple things. Your name is Diamond Dallas Page. You're DDP. Your wife's name is Kimberly. Uh, and Mean Gene Okerlund goes, admitted, she's your wife. Like it was a dirty secret. You know, that hideous, hideous Diamond Doll. Ooh, I would hate to be married to her. She's my wife. Oh. What? I'm having a hard time here. I can't even make it through the rest of this review here. Um, long story short, he called uh, Liz the lady. Now here comes the tramp. Ah, funny stuff. At, at the very least, Macho and DDP are going to put on a solid match. But uh, the oh, yeah. promo's a little funny. It's the best thing going right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. I agree 100%. I, I'm I'm right right there with you. I think that's the that's the best thing WCW has going at the moment. The main event <coughs> the Steiner Brothers defeat High Voltage when Scotty pins Rage with that Steiner screwdriver. Now, back to the announce table. And this is uh, more NWO stuff. Tony's running down the spring stampede participants, but they're interrupted by Nash and Six. Bobby, <laughs> probably the highlight of the night for me. Bobby Heenan tries to climb over the top of the announce table and gets his foot caught up in all the mic cords. So he's sitting there just flailing away. Actually, kind of funny uh, because he he was a good minute there, just trying to get away from him, and it's uh, it's funny stuff. Nash looked pissed, uh, and Six was out there because well, Six is Nash's buddy. Six wasn't there to talk. All Six said was, "Is this thing even working?" 
I don't know, WCW. I'll take you on all myself. Nash has got to cover because I think there's something going on with Scott Hall. Your thoughts, and can we recover by Spring Stampede this Sunday? Oh, uh, that's pretty quick to recover. Like I, I, I enjoy Nash more in this segment than I've enjoyed him the whole time that he's been in WCW. This to me was very reminiscent of Diesel. This was very reminiscent of a monster right here, which you really haven't seen in WCW. You've seen the Nash that's super cool, hanging with his bros and this, that, and the other, but you haven't seen hot streak, vicious Nash, which you've got a little bit of. Uh, tonight, and it just got me thinking. It's like, man, maybe this guy's more valuable away from the NWO. Well, Matthew, coming up this Sunday, Spring Stampede, you're going to have all sorts of uh, good stuff going on. I mean, you've got the uh, chance to get a title shot, you know, against Hollywood Hulk Hogan, if he's still in the company. I mean, we haven't seen him at all. Uh, You've got a four corners match that's going to provide that. You're supposed to have a tag team match, but it looks like Nash may wrestle on his own. I mean, who knows what's happening down in WCW. So for Matthew Thomas, I'm the man that called me dead. Thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you again with Spring Stampede right here on the PWR Now Network. So long, everyone. Looks like we're done. Looks like you're gone.